Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Tennis Bets is back. We're on Friday before the U.S. Open on Tennis Channel YouTube, on Tennis.com, Facebook, and the Tennis Bets Twitter. We're also on your Tennis Channel Podcast Network on all your platforms as well. A couple days of the U.S. Open. The draws are out. We're ready to discuss all the action. Joined by Zachary Cohen, betting on X. Zico, welcome aboard again. Thank you. And first-time guests, we have a fill-in for today who's going to be a part of the show going forward, we hope, and uh, if, if she'll allow it. But uh, Karina Mustafa, who's a tennis host, also hosts a podcast covering the WNBA and some other great media stuff as well. Welcome to the gambling space, Karina. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, I've ha- I have some background in the gambling space, so uh, it's good to I, yeah. be here. Oh, I know you do. We, we, we were searching for a replacement. We needed someone, and uh, you came highly recommended, so we're ready and excited to have you. There's a lot going on in this week's show and a lot to happen in the U.S. Open going forward. Uh, Kenny Ducey, our, our regular co-host as well, will be hopefully joining. He's trying to get to the, the grounds and qualifying is kind of a mess, so we hope that gets cleared up. Zico and uh, Karina, we're going to start here with the future odds because that's where we are right now. Not a traditional show. There's not matches going on in progress, but we were keeping tabs on the futures, on the men's side specifically, and the women. But last week, going into... The U.S. Open going into Cincinnati. This is what the future odds looked like. Alcaraz was plus one one twenty five, a prohibitive, decently favorite. Djokovic, and then it dropped off from there. We all saw the match that took forever. Djokovic just outwilling his younger opponent. And since then, and since the results in Cincinnati, this is what we're looking at: Djokovic plus one ten, Alcaraz one seventy five. The roles switched, and there has been a cliff drop off. Medvedev center, and then Alexander Zverev in the five spot. Kind of funny to see, but. Zico, starting with this, were you surprised the odds shifted so much? We know the match was great. It could have gone either way, but that's a pretty sizable shift for one match, albeit a classic. I wasn't surprised they shifted only because Djokovic became the favorite in that match over Alcaraz, so I knew that something was kind of up a little bit. I thought that they would change a little, but I don't think that anything, like, you know, your opinion shouldn't change based off that one match that easily could have gone either way and probably should have went the way of Alcaraz. So I think if you thought Carlos was going to win before that, uh, you, you know, you're getting a good price on him now. So, yeah, just don't change your minds based on what you saw that week. Karina, did you learn anything from either side for the fact that Alcaraz, you know, had some things he could work on still right at the top of the game or Djokovic responding to that Wimbledon loss by getting the better of Carlitos this time? Yeah, I think to me, probably one of the biggest factors for this lines change is the fact of endurance, physical endurance. I think we saw that Carlos kind of has a little bit of a, cramping experience and I think that's might be different in a best of five format which is why I think Djokovic is now a top favorite because he was able to come out of that physical match against Carlos in Cincy and so I think to me if you were to ask me I probably have more trust in Novak Djokovic right now just based on the fact that he can last longer and he does have that experience obviously Carlos did win at Wimbledon after he did 
endure uh, physical cramping over at the French Open. So it seems like it's very up and down. I think it all depends on the conditions. But yeah, I'm not entirely surprised that Djokovic is now the top favorite. So I, I just had a couple of things. One being every one of their matches is close. So we can just flip a coin in a lot of these matches and see what ends up happening. It was good to see. And I agree, Karina, he has some of the endurance issues to a point. It was much better this time. It was obviously understandable given the conditions. He's not, you know, we think he's over the cramping issue that he had, the nerves issue that he had at the French Open. I do think the hard court's going to exacerbate some of these points. It's going to be longer. It's going to be more grueling than Wimbledon. But these two players are going to adjust to each other every time. So I think the odds are going to be in this range, Zico, but they're going to flip a lot because they can beat each other, they can lose to each other, and there's nothing quite like this level of tennis that these two seem to play. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, it's a good thing in a way that Carlos cramped. I know that, you know, you want to win that match. You don't want to cramp late in it. But he has a team that has been willing to adjust over the the last few months. We've seen a lot of it. So, you know, I think that maybe the reminder that the cramps can still be an issue will be, you know, more of a focus on him to be hydrated or whatever it is next week. So, Karina, I did want to kind of discuss, you know, the futures play and and what we could do here. Obviously, Djokovic, Alcaraz, prohibitive favorites, the odds on favorites to meet each other in the final. but Upsets do happen, and there is a betting strategy question here. You see Mavidev center, then it drops off Zverev, other names. When you look at futures, do you think, in, in your personal experience and how you would like to go at this, it's worth throwing some long-shot futures? Or, and I know Zico's answer to this, is it worth betting on who can win a quarter, who could come out, and maybe a chance to hedge in that regard? Yeah, it's really tough. I think in the past, I've just focused on choosing the favorites when it comes to futures bets. But I think after 2021, when Mr. Ducano on the women's side being a qualifier went and won the whole thing, I think mm-hmm. anything can kind of happen and kind of crazy things tend to happen at slam. So I think, you know, betting on quarters is probably like a safer route. But at yeah. the same time, like, for example, I look like somebody like Francis Tiafo, who made the semis last year and looking at his draw, it's very realistic that he could defend all those points, depending on how well he plays against his opponents. Um, and so I don't know, I think taking it, taking it safe, but I'm on the side of like, just bet on the crazy person to win, because why not? Why not take a Tiafo future? Like anything could happen. You never know. So Zico, just to kind of bounce off that, if we look at, if we look at some of these players, right, if we look at, you know, the the chance to win quarters and the chance to even go to finals and make these bets to win it ultimately. We know hedging is a huge part of this. So I'm just more intrigued on if you're going to be a volume shooter looking at all these different bets and then find your opening to make some money because at the end of the day, if you get one of your bets playing Djokovic or Alcaraz, you're going to have a chance to just kind of get your money back. Yeah, I mean, I've always kind of liked to play the quarters as well, but I do usually take some shots. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago on our show that I liked Andre Rublev as a long shot to win just because I think that he gets later enough, you know, he gets far enough in tournaments to give you an opportunity to hedge and guarantee money. And I do think that now that looks even better with him being in the Medvedev section of the draw, which I think is somewhat open because Medvedev's not playing his best tennis right now. So I think that there's a chance that he makes a run and you get a chance to hedge against, uh, you know, Carlos or whoever it is in the top. Um, on the women's side, I think there's a really good opportunity this year because I think the bottom half of that draw is really wide open. I think you're avoiding Iga, you're avoiding Coco. Those are the two players playing the best tennis right now. So I'm looking at Ludmila uh, Samsonova, who I think is one of the best hardcore players in the world, and she's going off at 50-1. to 1. I think she has a better chance to win that quarter than Jessica Pagula, who's the favorite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get all the way to the semis, you potentially get Sabalenka, who 
you know, might even tr- have trouble getting there because she's had so much trouble mentally finishing cl- uh, close matches. So I think that Samsonova is one that you take, you hope to hedge it later on, but you might actually end up winning it because I think she has a chance of winning this tournament. I think that's a good one. I want to get to the women in just a second. Uh, but first, Karina, looking at it, because everyone likes to break down draws. It's what we do. Um, looking at Djokovic and Alcaraz's draw. Now, people will say, looking on the outside, and I understand Djokovic might have an easier path or maybe more routine. I think Alcaraz actually, and I would push back up until the quarterfinals, what we do look at is what the draw would look like for Alcaraz to get to the final would be presumably Sinner and Medvedev. So, How do you break down their path respectively and if that affects the betting market? Yeah, I mean, you look at Carlson Center, who have had good battles before, um, two young players who have a lot of star potential. um, And I think, you know, Medvedev, too, past U.S. Open champion. That is really tough. But then even on Novak's side, like I would even push like Christopher Eubanks is a name that I'm looking for that could also make a deep run that Novak could potentially run into in the quarters. Um, and so it all for me really is just like, it's just the matchups. And I think like when I'm looking at it though, both of them have an edge over these players and I just don't see anybody like taking the upset. So I would have a hard time betting on any underdogs when it comes to like money line. And I think I would probably focus probably on the amount of sets. Like I, to me, I don't know why, but I just have a feeling that we're going to have to smash the over on total sets played for Mm -hmm anything after the fourth round um, just based on the matchups that we're going to see. That's a good point. We've seen that a lot. I think last year in the U S open, we were going best of five nonstop Wimbledon this year had a lot too. Uh, And that's what it is. It's best of five. That's why, you know, the the water always rises to its level and you're going to get these best players. Maybe you want them to lose a a set to maybe see what kind of value is there. Uh, Let's bring them into the show. Now, Kenny Ducey joining in. Uh, well, before we before we kind of switch on and give you the floor here for a second, some thoughts on the topic there, the Djokovic path versus the Alcaraz. Any hot takes on uh, these two co-favorites almost? No, no, no real hot takes. I think that Djokovic, I mean, he's minus 500 to win his quarter for a reason. Stefano Tsitsipas is the only guy that could possibly step to him, I think, in this quarter. Uh, you know, I, I, I do hope that Eubanks can make... Uh, a nice run, but uh, I mean, he hasn't looked as good as he did at Wimbledon. Of course, you know, he showed at Wimbledon that, you know, one week can change your life. You can turn it on. And he played here last year, qualified last year. Good feelings. I was at this Pedro Martinez match. He won that pretty handily. Um, but I think uh, to a point that we were just talking about, just to kind of jump into this conversation, uh, one market that I have actually never played that I think I'm going to play this year at the U.S. Open because it just seems to hit every single time we have a Grand Slam is the total amount of matches to go five sets. The over-under is set at 28 and a half, I believe. We hit the over five sets at Wimbledon, uh, the over on the five-set matches at Wimbledon. I think we hit it in the second round or third round. Like, it was very early. So um, I do think that that's a pretty good bet, especially um, just talking about the very even matchups in the first round. Uh, first round. I mean, we don't have a lot of um, – I don't think we have a lot of blockbuster matches. So I think there's going to be a lot of evenly matched uh, players that I see uh, a lot of, you know, qualifiers that I think could be pretty dangerous. There's a lot of good qualifiers in the draw this week. So, I mean, they, of course, when are they going to play? But, uh, you know, it is sunny outside. But other than that, yeah, I think that uh, Djokovic has a very, very easy path. We should see him in step in the quarters. And given their history, uh, nothing to suggest that he's not right. going to make the semifinals. And then... He's next to the easiest quarter in the draw, which is the Rude Runa quarter. Uh, neither of those guys, 
I think are going to make the quarterfinals. So I think Djokovic just, just cakewalks to the final here. Yeah. So it's just a quick question for you, Kent. You said something at the very end of that. You said Joker and Tsitsipas? Yes. Does that mean you're giving up on your guy? What? Taylor Fritz? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is he my guy? Yeah, he is my well, guy. I'm not, I'm yeah, not giving I mean, up. It's been a slow breakup. It's been a slow breakup. I think it's happening. There's been some I'm not, I'm not giving up on Taylor at all, uh, but I do think that he's going to lose to Stephanos. I think that – well, you know, I, 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 I should walk it back because I do think if you look at the U.S. Open, this is the tournament that has been a house of horrors for Stephanos. He lost here in the first round at Daniel Galan, who I like, but it's Daniel Galan. Um, he's never had a good showing here. He lost to Carlos here, obviously, a couple years ago in a match that he was really supposed to. He should have won that match. He went to a fifth side tiebreak. Um, and he lost to Rublev, I think, in the third round a few years ago. And again, like Rublev, Sitsipas, that's a match where you think Sitsipas had a grand slam wins every time. But without Apostolos, I do think he's in a little bit better of a headspace. So okay. I, I'm, I'm willing to give it to him. I think he's looked okay. Okay. Can I, I'm, can I push oh, back on the Tsitsipas thing? Absolutely. A little bit? I would love to be pushed back. <laughs> Um, I'm honestly because I think Steph had a great start to the year to 2023, but I think this summer has been a little bit rocky. And like even just looking at his first round matchup, which is against yeah. Milos Raonic, like yes, maybe I'm biased because I'm Canadian, but Milos played pretty well um, in Toronto over the summer just a few weeks ago. So I think already that's a really tough matchup when it comes to like how powerful both players are and then as you go on he could run into Christopher Eubanks again which he did lose to him in at Wimbledon so it's it's tough it's tough and I know like I mentioned like I, Christopher Eubanks is kind of the guy that I have my eye on as like making a deep run potentially but like my confidence in Tsitsipas is like kind of wavering a little bit. no I, I totally I, you know, I, look you can push back all you want with Steph because it's very easy to and I, I'm not um, carrying his water so I, I agree with you like <laughs> Uh, Eubanks is a guy too. I mean, yeah. look, your grand slams are all that matters, right? And that's what uh, you know Francis Tiafo said last year at the U.S. Open, and you and and uh, Nick Kyrgios said it as well. All these guys know, right? The the grand slams are all that matters. So the last time we had a grand slam, Eubanks was really good. He's obviously made so many improvements. Um, I mean, we all knew that he could be a great tennis player if you figure out how to just hit hit into the court a little bit more with his one hander, and he has. So um, I I do think that Stefanos probably loses in the first three rounds here, if not the first, but. <laughs> I also didn't know you were Canadian. I apologize because it did really feel like the Canadians were off to take over tennis. They won the Davis Cup and then uh, now Felix. Do you know that Felix has lost uh, 13 of his last 15 matches? That is insane. Yes. How did this I'm happen? Well so, aware. So how did this happen? I, feel so, I love Felix. I'm so sad. Um, and I hope that he can defend all these points because if he doesn't if he doesn't have a good showing in the next yeah. what month and a half. It's going to be tough. I mean, is he going to be out of the top 100? I mean, it's it's crazy. It's all his ranking points are from all those tournaments he won. A couple things, too. One being the Milos Tsitsipas match. Just want to smash that tiebreak prop. I'm going for it again. Yes. Tsitsipas will just get in that zone where he's like, I'm going to hold my serve, and then we'll just shank a couple backhands on, on Milos' serve, and we'll be in a tiebreak before you know and it. And Milos, another guy, too, who has a very good track record here at the U.S. Open. Um, yeah. so I, I, and the conditions should suit him. It's usually the, one of the faster yeah. hardcore tournaments. He's 2-0. Yeah against Tsitsipas. He beat him on these courts in 2020 when they had the Cincinnati Masters here. So, yeah. I'm probably going to be on Milos. Karina, do you have any intel? Is this Milos's last dance? He's been kind of <laughs> hinting at it. I think I think his body just can't hold up anymore. I think it's great that he even returned because I honestly thought he was done for. So, I think any any tennis that 
he mm. plays this the rest of the summer and the rest of the year is uh it's it's comforting for Canadian fans who like it's been a weird time where you've had like certain Canadian players be like the next gen and then they kind of just tampered off whether it was like Milos or like Jeannie Bouchard and then now you have like our new core four which they have their own problems too but like overall it's been kind of up and down I mean Gabriel, Gabriel Diallo as well could be a yeah. good guy but I, he, he I feel like he can't win at this level like he wins in the challengers and he steps up to the big boys and, and he can't win matches at the ATP level so hopefully Hopefully he can he can do something. University of Kentucky Wildcat. Yeah, we're going to see what happens there. I, I want to keep the the tensions high with this next pick. Uh, Zico knows where I'm going. And you keeping the tensions I'm high, gonna... I never, I would never. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to present this, and then Zico can talk, and then one of you, who I know, is going to respond. So here's there... Zico's pick that he got in this morning. <laughs> there was some friendly argument over text about this already. Kenny, Friendly was that, Kenny was not that mean about it over text. He's going to be way meaner over video. But yeah, I, I think that Kasparud's a good bet to make the, to make it to the semifinals again. I just think that he's a guy that got a really good draw once again. I know he has not played very good tennis on the hardcourt swing, on the hardcourt lead up to the U.S. Open. I know it hasn't been pretty at all since the French Open, but there's something about best of five tennis where you can kind of trust him. I think that he's really well conditioned. I think he's, you know, kind of a sturdy player where there aren't that many holes in his game, whereas his opponents kind of, you know, fall apart over the course of a five set match. He's kind of, you know, trustworthy in that regard. So I think that there's a really good chance we see him in the semis again. I think he would probably get destroyed by Novak Djokovic, but I do like his chances. If he gets there, I think that he could beat Tiafo in a potential, you know, match to get there. And I just think that this is probably the perfect draw for a player that is struggling, but has made the final of three of the last six grand slams. Certainly not a bad draw. It's not a bad draw <laughs> for him, but he is six and eight on hard courts this year. As you mentioned, it's, I mean, it's not even been not pretty. I mean, he lost to Max Purcell and Masters 1000. better. Purcell's I mean, been yeah, Purcell's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's always a trap match, I guess. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, he's going to have to go through Wolf, probably. Wolf is, is I mean, he, he beat RBA here. Hand, he, he straight said at RBA here last year as a plus 300 underdog. I mean, I, I think that's a very dangerous match for Rude. Corda, if he gets there, I mean, I I, I don't I just don't think he's also going to beat Tiafo in front of this home crowd, especially if they go on. I mean, here's the thing about Casper Rude, and I, I, I know that, like, He's won all these ma- – he's gone to two Grand Slam finals. Like, the results have been there. But the process has been ugly. Last year, he, he had a tough time with Quarantin Moutet. Quarantin Moutet was his fourth-round fourth uh, guy. And Tommy Paul, who is a top-15 player now and has been playing at a borderline top-10 level over the last year, had a terrible U.S. Open last year. There was uh, something going on with him. He, he hardly got past Bernabe Zapata Morales. But he had Casper Rude uh, on the ropes in that match at Louis Armstrong. Yeah. Like I, he didn't, I, he, he made a good run to the final, but like he didn't make a good run. Like, I don't think he really played very well here. So it's not like you can say, Oh, he loves the conditions. I, I don't think he's going to make it past uh, more than two Americans. I think he's going to lose to one before, okay. uh, before he even gets to that Tiafa match. Okay. Karina, well, you can break the tie here. How do you see it? <laughs> for Rude? I see him getting to that fourth round and I don't see him getting past Francis Tiafo. I think he could, but I just don't see it. So, as of yeah. And, and Tiafo is the one everyone's circling and love foe. Hope he does it again, but there's going to be the pressure factor for him, right? He has to back up what he did last year. And I think he can, and I think he shows out. He's proven more than a lot of Americans that he can play well here and, and handle it, but it is something to do it again, back to back years. 
I think also, also like sorry. I I think also just like I think the run to the quarters and even the semis after is a little bit easier for Fo this year than it was last year. Um, because he did end up going out. He beat Rafa last year and then ended up losing to Carlos. So I think in that sense there might be a little bit less pressure because he doesn't have to run into anyone too too big until later on. So I think maybe that might help him a little. I would also point out here, uh, actually, I just lost my train of thought on Francis Tiafo, but I, I, mean, I, I would, um, no, I, I, I just, I, I, I can't back a guy that's played at such a, oh, that's right. I was going to say Tiafo, he hasn't been on a good run of form, obviously. He's had some losses, but even the, the, the Dan Evans match and the Milos match are, are the two, right, that were, were the shocking losses. Um, I mean, I thought those were good losses. Like, I, I as, as much as people, you know, want to make fun of Dan, I know that I'm the biggest Dan Evans fan on the planet. So, yeah. you know, obviously mm-hmm. going to think that's a good loss. But, like, I, I thought he, he played both those guys really well. He's playing in a hostile environment in Canada, right? All those Canadians, they're very mean people. Oh. Uh, you know, it, it was <laughs> very mean. So that was an occasion, right? That was that was a big moment for Milos. Um, He's slipped I, I, I thought, that third set. I, I'm with you on the Evans match. I think Dan just played amazing. but And Milos did to bounce back after the first set chaos and win the second in a, in a great comeback in that tiebreak. Francis had one of his uncharacteristic, or I guess previously characteristic, dips in the third set. I, I'm consistency is where I'm at with him, and, and I know Rude might not be the flashiest, but he kind of is Mister Consistency. So I do think that that's right. That's he, why he's only yeah. won six hardcore matches and 14 tries this year. He's very, he's, he's very consistent loser. Actually, I would feel I would feel a little bit more nervous about it. <laughs> I'd be more nervous if Tiapo was playing better tennis. I think he's been pretty yeah. lackluster in the last few weeks, even in Cincinnati. I thought. Losing to Stan and you know straight sets was a pretty disappointing result. So I know he's kind of going to get up for one thing. Greek sport went even like Greek sport just kind of gave him a service game in a third set and just totally folded under the pressure. Like you know he hasn't been playing good tennis, but I I think from the eye test he's looked so much better than Casper Ruud. I think I'd be more nervous about whatever that next match is. I think that if it's Tommy or something like that's the one where I think he would get tripped up because Tommy's playing great tennis. Yeah. Tommy Paul's winning this quarter, 100%. Okay. I want to also just point before we move to the women, Kenny, that, you know, Rude, and I know you follow all these Twitter guys, Rude's Twitter game's pretty solid. He's it not- is. Uh, there's a, there's a, yeah, he, he's gone at some pretty obnoxious uh, yeah. tennis gambling Twitter people. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I agree. But the, the thing that I've talked to Zico about before is, and I noticed it, I've noticed it the last few weeks, like it, it doesn't, look right now like Casper enjoys playing tennis. It looks like he's under a lot of stress at all times. I've thought that really for years. Um, it looks like he's just always pressing out there. I don't know if it's his – we don't. We love to talk about how fathers shouldn't be coaches. Why aren't we talking about how Christian Rude maybe has pushed Casper Rude to just work a little bit too hard? Obviously, that offseason was a mess. Uh, I, I don't know if his team has really handled him properly. So I'm not saying it's like all on him, but it does feel like he'd rather be playing golf sometimes. Yeah. Well, we'll see with we'll see with Casper Ruud. We'll see with this quarter bet. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. As tennis bets rolls along here, Zachary Cohen, Kenny Ducey, Karina Mustafa, we're going to go to the women now. And Karina, I want your thoughts on the market, particularly for the futures. These are updated since Cincinnati. A lot of movement in that middle range. 
Ega's still the favorite at plus 230. Sabalenka's odds actually went up a little bit to plus 470. Goff, the big mover, up to plus 700. Rabakina stumbles, Pagula, then Jabor. Thoughts on this board? Maybe players outside that you like for long shots or just breaking down the future market for the women? Yeah, I mean, even just looking at these top favorites right now, I honestly think Rubakina might should be a little bit lower. And I just want to take into consideration she's been battling with a shoulder injury ever since Montreal. She had it taped all week. And then when she played that match against Kasakina till three o'clock in the morning, um, which I worked that match and I was exhausted by the end of it um she came back the next day and her shoulder was taped like even more than it was i think one of the biggest things to know is that the women are now using the same balls as the men so it's the heavier duty ones they're heavier and they're harder to hit um so that's for a player as powerful as she is um i think that's something to take note of uh she did retire mid-match in cincy so i'm i'm just a little bit hesitant on her futures right now i still think she can be pretty dangerous but she's playing against marta kosiuk in the first round which is not an easy first round matchup um so i think out of those favorites she's kind of one that i think maybe should be lower i think jabor on this list honestly has a chance to get back to the final i think um we're still looking for that consistency from her this year because of you know the injuries that she kind of struggled with but based on her draw it is possible and if i had to choose somebody outside of this top uh list i think i would hit daria kasakina at 10, plus 10,000. I just think that like what I saw from her, she has always been a player that just like returns everything, but she's been playing, like it's literally, it's like that brick wall behind you, Kenny. <laughs> like that's how she plays. Um, and like, she just returns everything. I think that could make her really dangerous, especially in the draw that she is in, the side of the draw that she is in. Um, Sabalenka, is, they could meet up together and Sabalenka has also been playing well, but I, I think that if it gets to a point where she's making errors in a match against Kasakina, Kasakina is not going to let that fly and could potentially take that. So that's somebody that I'm keeping an eye on for sure. I think the women's field is a lot more open than it was like a few months ago. I think that's fair. And I think, I mean, we will get to Coco in a second, but you're looking at the favorites and they're not, you know, the big three and even, you know, Pagu and Jabor have done a little better, but they're not holding it rock solid at the top. There's some cracks in the wall there there's some vulnerabilities so i think that gives odd to the long shot i think there are a lot of women that could win the tournament and zico one that you have here to win a quarter and maybe sprinkle some on is samsonova plus 600 to win her quarter also a much greater obviously to win the whole thing what's your logic here for backing samsonova yeah i just think she's one of the top 10 maybe even top five or seven hardcore players in the world and i think that people maybe or overreacting a little bit to that final against Pagula where she was playing a match an hour after playing another match. I think she was really tired at that point. But I think the run to get to that point is what we should be looking at. And I think that she's always been really good on this surface. So I think that she's in a really easy section of the draw. And yeah, like I said before, I think that the bottom half of that draw is pretty open because I don't necessarily believe in Sabalenka. But I also agree with Karina. I think that um, quarter two is one with Rivakino where you can possibly get some value. I think that you could see someone like Azarenka even in the semifinals. I just think that anybody in that draw really has a chance. Yeah, I mean that's that that is to get a, car, a Carolina Garcia getting getting uh, to headline that draw. Really, I mean Pagula is the headliner, but that you would you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think Lubilla, she had that magic last year right around this time. She was winning so many matches. She was a cash cow. I think that she's a very, very good good pick as well. I, I like both of those. And Kina is an unbelievable player. She is one of the most underrated players in the world. 
I'm going to throw a comparison out there for you guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I know Zico's a, a baseball guy, but uh, the, I, I like Daniel Collins here. And Daniel Collins reminds me a lot of Giancarlo Stanton, where it, she's never going to put together, like, because she's a hardcore specialist, really, she's never going to put together a great record. She's very, very streaky. But when she gets hot, as we, you know, you, you, know, you like to talk about a Zico with Dusan Lajevic, when Danielle Collins gets hot, she gets hot. And she is hot right now. She's playing excellent tennis. We know that she can hit the ball just as hard as anybody. We're talking about these harder tennis balls. And last year, I did think, watching her up close, I thought she had enough to make the semis, make the final, even win this whole thing. Her odds, I think at the beginning of the tournament, were around plus 10,000. At one point, she got down, I think, to plus 5,000 before she eventually lost to Sabalenka. And Sabalenka played at a level that should have won her that tournament. She just did what she always does and, and got in her own head. I think Daniel Collins is set up in a good part of the draw here. I think she can absolutely do it. She's never played Coco Golf, but I, I, I think that she is not going to be fearful if she faces Ika Sviatek in the quarter, someone she's beaten before. And I think she's definitely worth the stab here. I, I don't really love a lot of the long shots, but I do think if you're going to take one, Collins is the Danimal, as, uh, as, as Mitch just put down there. She she she's feisty. She's really gonna bring a lot to this tournament. I think she's gonna be fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, she, she's kind of like Stanton. Like you know that she's got it in her to to, yeah. to make a very deep run, and you just never know when it's gonna be. But I I do think she's always dangerous, and she's gonna be dangerous here again. Yeah, it, and this is one where you know if we had Pam our golf expert on, this is the person you just always sprinkle a little on in the major, like Kenny, because you just never know. It could be bad early. It could be a first round exit, but there's always the chance for potential. Always. Uh, Kareen, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, the woman at hand right now, Coco Golf, win Cincinnati, wins D.C., playing the best tennis of her young life. The rising odds to win the U.S. Open. She's up to plus 700, as Zico pointed out, just plus 1,200 not too long ago. Thoughts on, obviously, her form, but the fact now that she's looked at is, outside of Iga, maybe that number two person that we would put our money on to win this tournament. Yeah, I think she's had a little bit of a breakthrough this summer, not only with the tennis that she's playing, but I think also with her mindset. I think before in the matches that you've seen that she's lost, when she starts to overhit that forehand and the forehand errors just start to climb, she gets into her own head and that's kind of where the mistakes keep starting to roll in. I think now she's kind of seen what she needs to do, just kind of keep a more level-headed approach. Um, and the one match that she's lost this summer was to Jessica Pagula in Montreal. And in that match, I was working stats and she had 94 errors and 68 of them were on her forehand. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like the clearest thing about her game when it comes to like what could potentially hold her back. I think looking at her draw, she has a very real chance to make it to the final if she continues to play the same way that got her both the Cincy and Washington titles this summer. Um, I think beating Iga Sviatek was huge for her because I think going into that match, we were all kind of just thinking if she even gets a set, that would be a win for her. But the fact that she went and won that match, A, you could see how much it meant to her um, just with the emotions that she kind of let out. But now she knows that she can beat the top players and she can get all the way to winning a big title. Yeah, I, I, the forehand questions are going to be there until she wins the first major, and they're you know it's it's gotten better. I fully agree, but it still is the weakness in her game that has a lot of strengths. So I think she's actually focused more on the strengths, and that's gotten her to this point. Zico, you look at the the change in odds. I mean, as good as we all think she's playing, that's a pretty big shift. The public is obviously backing her, and I know you monitor this stuff a lot. Does that give you any pause, given how drastic that shift was? 
Yeah, it gives me pause if you're a new better looking to get on Coco because, you know, a few weeks ago I gave it out on tennis.com. I think it was plus 1,400. You know, I think the following week it was like plus 1,200, which I still would have gotten on it. But I don't think I can do it at plus 700, even though I do think that she is probably probably the second favorite to win this thing. I just think that it's really tough to get through her section of the draw. I think she got a little bit shafted in that regard. I think Kenny's right in that Collins is a really tough early round matchup. And then she does have to go through Iga again. And it's Iga playing, you know, with revenge on the line. And then also, I believe – sorry, go yeah. ahead, Rich. No, oh, there's one person you haven't mentioned. I'm surprised. I'm surprised just, you haven't mentioned her no, in the second I get, round. I want to get back to that for a second. But the fact oh, that – Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got to face yeah, Andriva in the second yeah. round, potentially. Yeah, we can't forget about her. Coco uh, being in Iga's section for all four majors this year is just absurd. Yeah, it's ridiculous that she's going to have to play her again and beat her two weeks later. Because I also – Apparently, the courts are playing a little bit slower, which p- plays into Ego's hands a lot more. And, yeah, just a lot has to go right for Coco to win. I think that she has made – I think we undersold it before. I think she's made a major breakthrough this summer because she's someone that I honestly used to think is was really overhyped. Now I think of her as an elite player, probably entering maybe what we have been looking for in a big three for a while. I think that she might be entering the actual big three. So I do think she has made that leap to the elite of the women's game. I just think that plus 700 isn't a good enough number. Yeah, I I think it's, I think it's interesting. She's getting, you know, obviously she's very popular and I think there's a lot of reasons to like her, but the draw is not the best. I think that's part of it as well. Uh, Kenny, I wanted to switch to you because, you know, I know you like to forecast and, and look at things. We can open up to the men and the women now, but this is a thought I had. What potential matchup do you think will get spoiled? Everyone's looking at certain things in the draw. We do this every year, but it doesn't always work that way because sports are upset. So what do you think gets spoiled? Which matchup don't we see? That's a very good question. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I said it with great certainty on Twitter today and also at the at, in this show, but the Rune Ruda, I don't know if Runa Rude is like a matchup people are really excited about, but that's not happening. There's a, I, I would put all my money that that's not going to happen. It, it, both of these guys are looking very bad right now. Runa has not looked good in months, uh, it's really since May. So I don't think that's going to happen. I, I could certainly see a guy that we were talking about a lot on this show in the last couple of months that we haven't talked about in a few weeks now who could potentially play spoiler is Grigor Dimitrov, who's playing excellent tennis right now. He gets to face my least favorite player in the world, probably the worst player in the top 100 in Alex Molchan in the first round. Then he gets to face <laughs> a guy that has won, what, two hardcore matches in his life, Tomas Martin Echeverry, another guy that's a fraud. Uh, I mean, I don't even know if you can call him a fraud. He's a nice clay player, but I mean, every year we get this with a guy that has a great run at the French Open. Everyone wants to say, oh, well, his game, it really fits the. It doesn't matter if your game fits the heart. You have to, like, play on the surface first. I mean, look how at did we, How did we get here? He used to be a good grass court player, but he just doesn't have the experience uh. and just doesn't have the footing. Anyway, the bottom line is he's got a pretty good run here, and Yannick Sinner is, I, I, I continue to say it. Every single time we get to a Grand Slam, the pressure gets the best of him. He never makes it easy on himself. I think he could drop at least one set to Yannick Hoffman. I think that Sonigo match in the in the second round could be a tricky one for him as well. That could go four or five. He could even lose that match. So I think that Grigor Dimitrov, especially standing in his way if they get to the fourth round, or Alexander Zverev, either one of those guys, I think Zverev, a guy that's beaten center here at the U.S. Open in yep. a big match before on Ash just a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, I think that Sinner Alcaraz match, the eighth playing of Jan Carlos. I don't think that's gonna gonna take that's place. A good one. That's a good one. I'll open it up, uh, Karina. Anything we don't think we'll see? 
That's interesting. Cause I, I think center like winning in Toronto, I think that probably helped him a little bit um, with ex in terms of experience. So we'll see what happens. But for me, and I've kind of tweeted about this over the last couple of days, I don't think we get Iga Shiatai and Coco Goff. I think, <laughs> I think uh, Ostapenko has like a good chance to upset Iga Shviatek. I think something that we've seen from Iga this summer is that she's very human and she's had a ton of trouble with a lot of players. Um, she's played more like best of three sets in the last couple of months than it seems like ever in her career. And I think that's one thing that I'm keeping an eye on. Ostapenko, when she wants to, she's just on and it's like very hard to play against her. Um, personality, tennis, everything all included. So I think like an Osapenko Coco Gop quarterfinal might actually be more possible than Iga being there. Zico, it's hard to top those two. They literally just took the two that we were most looking forward yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, Kenny took my answer. I, I don't think Sinner's okay. going to get to the quarterfinals. I think, I, I really think Zverev's playing really good tennis right now, and I think he's just a really bad eight. matchup. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's yeah. a really bad matchup for Sinner, too, because he absorbs pace so well, plays such good defense, and he's serving so well right now that I really think that in a matchup like that, that'll be lengthy. I think Zverev will hold serve a little bit more, you know, easier, and then I think that's just. I don't know. I just think we're not going to get it as much as badly as people want it. So mine was just uh, not nowhere near the level of, of your guys' picks. I'd say, and not for the reason everyone thinks, but Kazakina, I like her in the open too. I don't think Sabalenka gets there. I think she's going to get tripped up early. So I'll say that's one that doesn't happen. I think she goes down. Yeah, because she could she could face Plushkova before that. Yeah, there you um, go. Yeah, that's tough. Couple good serving days there. Uh, before we wrap this up, I want to get to some of the early matchups and just kind of see uh, fly through. Karina, you like the, and we don't have the odds up for uh, some of these props yet, so we'll just see. But you like the over in the Sitsipas Milos match. Yeah. Why, why, other than your Canadian heritage, should we back this one? <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> No, I just think that Raonic is a really heavy hitter and kind of like what Kenny was saying earlier, they're probably just going to exchange serve service games. Um, and I just find it very hard, like with the level that Tsitsipas has been playing kind of recently, I just think it goes at least four sets. Um, who comes out on top of that? Not sure. I'm still like as much as I've like low key trashed Tsitsipas on this episode, I think like I still favor him over Raonic. Like, let's be clear about that. I'm not like that. Canadian. We, we get it. But I, I also agree with, I, I will trash Sitsipas here for a second, although I, we'll do it. Say, I think they're going to play the quarters. I, I, I want to go through his history here at the US Open just so people get a very clear picture of what we're dealing with. Uh, he's never made it past the third round. He made the third round two years in a row, 2020 and 2021. Obviously, everyone remembers that he lost to Galan last year, but the players that he's beaten at the US Open, Adrian Manorino in four sets, Andy Murray in, in five sets, and that was when Murray was, I don't even know if he had his metal hip yet, but he, he really, I mean, he was a, a bathroom break. Odds match. Are, <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe you can help me out here because I only know American odds, but he was, a, and Murray was a, a, a 10, 10 decimal odd uh, uh, to win that match. And then he beat Maxime Cressy and Albert Ramos Vignolas in 2020. And he beat Tommy Robredo in 2018. And he's lost to Rublev. He's lost to Medvedev. He's lost to Chorich. He's lost to Alcaraz. And he's lost to Galan. So, like, I, I don't know. He's just never done a good job of actually, you know, playing as well as he should here. Yeah. Um, and we do see it with some players. Some players just have some demons. They don't like playing in, in certain environments. And Sitsipas now, ever since he's been highly ranked, he's always played on the in the big stadiums here. Um, at, at the USTA Billie Jean National Tennis Center. So I, I do think that I think 
he's going to have a very, very difficult time overcoming those demons, especially in a, in a quarter where he's expected to make the quarterfinals, right? Like all the pressure is on him once again. And I just think that's yeah. a terrible situation for him. And he's never, never gotten it done here. So why would this year be any different? Well, maybe we I, can... there's a first time for everything. So there is. Maybe we can get some players, some Canadian fans to dress up like a bee, just really get in his head. Alexis Popperin is the guy that always plays well here, and he'll have, he'll have to face him in the second round if he gets by Milos. I just think there's a lot of potential landmines here, and not ones that are household names or ones that you would normally think of, but Eubanks in the third as well that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like he's playing better now because he doesn't have his dad coaching him anymore, but the, the, the fact still stands that – it's, well, it, it's going to be not so bad. Can I just say, though, like that B thing with Tsitsipas is probably like one of the most bizarre things <laughs> I have ever seen happen in a tennis match ever. It was that was one of, very, no, that was one of my favorite things that happened. Because the snitch was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was the guy they just like, yeah, it was her. Yeah. <laughs> it he took two seconds B. to figure out who it was. Um, another one we had here, Karina. I just want to get your last one on, on a parlay you're looking at. We'll see what the odds are eventually. But you got Stevens, Head, Ed, Maya, and Bedosa Venus to go three sets. I'd say I love it, but I'm going to go with like because I don't know if that second match is going to take place. Based yeah. On I mean, I think like so. Firstly, with Sloane Stevens and Haddad Maya, I think Sloane Stevens has had kind of an underrated summer. Um, she's gone far at the Cleveland tournament like just this week and has had a couple of good matches, played pretty well in Montreal. And I think Haddad Maya losing to Layla Fernandez in Montreal, obviously, Haddad Maya was kind of like the breakout player of last year. Um, I just think that. Those two are much closer right now than people might think. So I think that's why it might go three sets. And then with Bedosa and Venus, like you kind of mentioned like earlier, they are both kind of beat up. They're both kind of injured. So we'll see what happens there. But I just think that like even just on paper, like this is a really good matchup. They're both really good players. Um, Venus tends to have a bit of bad luck when it comes to first round matchups now. It feels like at every tournament, it's always some like big name that she runs into. So I think that's part of the reason why I think this might go three sets. Yeah, I would look. I agree with it. I just I think we got to get them both. It's like the it's like UFC. Just got to cl close the cage door, close the octagon, <laughs> as long as this happens. But Sloan Kenny is someone we've monitored too, and we we like Beatrice also. But you know she's won a lot of these matches, but she has gone the distance. So I think Sloan at least to take a set. I don't know if she wins it, but maybe. Yeah, I, I think that that is a, a good call. I think Stevens is alive for an upset here. I don't know if she actually wins this match. But, and, and you guys know very well, not Karina maybe, but I love Beatriz as well. She's one of my, the, again, one of the most underrated players for me. She's always a player, at least over the last year and a half, has been a player at Grand Slam. So I, I think that the sky is really the limit here for her. But yeah, Stevens is obviously a former winner here. And she's going to be, she's playing some decent tennis. I was impressed with her win over Andriva. I thought, uh, I, I think she, the, the ball striking, the, the focus is starting to come back. So she's had a decent, she's had a decent uh, summer. She's had three decent tournaments here on the hard courts after losing to Warren Davis in Washington. So I, I do feel as though she is, she's, she could win that match. Uh, that's going to be a very, very hotly contested one. And yeah, Bedosa has just kind of been out of it really. So I, you know, Venus with the home crowd behind her, mm -hmm. she, she could take a set as well. I think that's a very interesting parlay. I do, I do feel like the three setter, with the Beatrice uh, Sloan match is kind of a lock. The Venus yeah. one I'm a little more skeptical of, but uh, it's Venus Williams in front of the home crowd here at the U.S. Open. So who knows? We, you know Zico and Kenny too. This is this is prime for the take the Venus kitchen sink first set. <laughs> That's where it's going to happen. The Galmon feast bet. 
Monfils bet that we yeah. have, that didn't happen because he pulled out of the French Open. But, yeah. uh, okay, well, this has been a good show. This has been great with uh, our panel of guests here. Uh, we're going to go around for you know final thoughts as we gear up for the U.S. Open. But before we do that, I did have one thing I wanted to uh, to get to because you know we tried it. We've had a great show today. It's been a lot, and I'm going to go with our comment of the day. And I know it's not grammatically correct, but Kenny, I think you'd appreciate this. It's just a matter of is the weekend going to be playing <laughs> in New York? So. I think that'll determine how good or bad Rude does. I do. I, I actually think he means. I think he means are the qualifiers going to go in? <laughs> okay. Because I honestly don't know either. I've never. I've never really followed qualifying this closely and had to, you know, uh, navigate through all these rain delays. I have zero idea how they're gonna how they're gonna finish off qualifying. It's supposed to thunderstorm tonight for like mm-hmm. the whole night, really, after six p.m. There's no way they're going to get these matches done. So I don't know if they're going to pull them back out for tomorrow. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope the weekend plays because I'll be there. I, I would love to see the weekend perform. I think he did qualify for the main draw. So Yeah. The weekend did? Yeah. Yeah. yeah t- no, I, I also saw a question from him on the court speeds. And I'm, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes before we talk about these being slower court speeds. I, now, I'm – well, you, I would be the right person to ask because I'll be there. But I, so far, it, you know, it hasn't been overly fast. But I've also there's been a lot of moisture. Like it's been a very wet week. So I think once the courts dry out in the forecast over the weekend, at least, it's supposed to be sunny. Not going to be too too hot. And when we see the faster court conditions at the U.S. Open, it's normally when you get that unbearable heat in the first week. And for the second week, you start putting on your hoodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a little different this year. So if it stays cool, then yeah, I think the court speeds will be a little bit slower. But um, also, while I'm talking, I should just point out that uh, Michael Emer just retired from tennis. So, it's what? Wow! Are <laughs> you just mad about that ruling? Wow! I think so. He had a lot of exclamation points in his tweet, so he must be mad. He was like, "Great, yeah, thanks for everything. Great, great to play." Well, we're gonna let that kind of just, you know. Wow! We're gonna, we're gonna He's trying that. to overshadow John Isner. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about Isner at all. Yeah, we, we can share parting thoughts. Look, I, I've eight years of being the number one ranked American counts for something. I know it wasn't the most flashy game, but I do think he held the mantle at a time until the next generation got there. It's not his fault that the next, that that generation he was in didn't have the barn burners, you know? So I, uh, was, I what was the record, Mitch? Or what was the, I think he was top 25 for eight straight years. Is that correct? Uh, I think it was a decade. I think it was a solid decade in the top 20. So that's uh, that's good. Most aces of all time. And my lasting memory will be someone trying to return his serve in like a small outer court where there's just not enough room to physically get a rep. (laughs) I don't know what my lasting memory of John is. Obviously, as a a young child watching him play that that match against Nicola Mahout was was, was amazing. But uh, yeah, I mean, a, 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 always a, a, an attraction at the U.S. Open. He will be this year. He should win his first round match. He got a very easy draw against Facundo Diaz Acosta. Um, but uh, that should be, well, you know, I don't know. Michael Moe and Karen Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff hasn't played in, like, I mean, decades, it seems. And maybe he makes a little run here. I have Moe plus 130, but that's neither here nor there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hate it. Karina, final thoughts on uh... – the U.S. Open and your first tennis bet show? Uh, I'm very excited for slam tennis again. It's always the best time of the year. Um, and also, last thing on that, 
Jimmy Butler is an amazing ball boy and should just be part of the permanent rotation. That's my last thoughts on the U.S. Right. Open. I was, I was a little disappointed that he didn't do his meme like over the towel box, just like uh... you know, <laughs> over tired. That was the only thing that would have made that better. But I love. We'll, Jimmy we'll get in touch with him. He'll do it at some point this week. I'll ask yeah. him. Jimmy Butler and I share the same birthday as well, so shout out. To oh, him. cool. Okay. Very and, that's, soon. and that's where the comparisons end. All right. <laughs> September 14th. Everyone wish me a happy birthday, please. Zico, final thoughts on the U.S. Open. Yeah, I guess something I wanted to say before is that I don't think that there's any value in taking Alcaraz before the tournament. I do think Alcaraz will win the tournament. He's my pick to win it. But I think at plus 190, we saw what the odds were against Djokovic in Cincinnati. It was close to plus 155, plus 160 in some places. So I'd rather just wait until the final not have to deal with any of the stress of the first few rounds if you believe he's going to win, because I think you'll get him at plus 130, plus 135 at, at the very worst in the finals. It's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Zico finishing strong. Thanks to everybody on our panel, Karina Mustafa, for a great first show. Back in the mix, hopefully soon. Kenny Ducey, of course, will be on the ground qualifying. If we get some matches in today and beyond next week, and Zico writing as well for tennis.com covering the betting angle of every which way at the U.S. Open. If you like this show, we're on the podcast network, Tennis Channel's podcast network. Go to Spotify, Apple, and all your platforms. And check us out next week. Two shows during the U.S. Open, so we can't wait to uh, give you some gambling content as the tournament begins. For the entire panel, I'm Mitch Michaels. Thank you for watching or listening to Tennis Bets. Good luck out there, and we'll talk to you soon. 